Anybody else think the anthem was really short this morning? <laughs> when Jill first called me at 7.30, my, my first thought was, I really should shower. <laughs> and, and then after hearing about Chuck and talking through her a bit of what our plan was going to be, I remembered these wise this wise aphorism from one of my roommates in seminary, Corbin Bokehouse, who was a faithful procrastinator and who said, the time required will grow to the time allotted. And um, I, I hope that's somewhat true this morning, um, especially when time is squeezed a bit, you know, from a week of preparation to a couple hours. Um, that being said, the peace of our Lord be with you. Every good narrative has a climax, a high point, at which the protagonist begins the work of resolving the problem or tension that has driven the drama. And here, in the Gospel, at the literal climax or brow of the hill of the story, when Jesus, having preached a challenging, perhaps even insulting sermon to his hometown of Nazareth, he is pushed to the cliff. And at that climax, that pinnacle point, when our hero and Savior's actions will begin the story's resolution, he walks through the midst. When pushed to the cliff, Jesus doesn't grab a sword or start slinging insults at his antagonist. When pushed to the cliff, Jesus walks through the midst. The midst of the crowd, the midst of the culture, the midst of the escalating anxieties and expectations, demonstrating that when we are pushed to the cliff, we may be called to walk through the midst. We seem to live in a time addicted to climax, consistently playing that all or nothing, zero-sum game. Personalities, Ideas, tragedies, and hopes seem to pop up with a celestial brightness for a moment in our world. And they, they cling to the climax, shouting to be seen and heard, pushing us to the cliff of conflict. And then, it seems just, just as quickly, they fade into the abyss of what used to be popular or matter or worth talking about. Many voices that echo through our days call for one winner, one voice, one right answer to our problems, confident that collaboration and compromise are the road to ruin. We're committed to having one champion, even if it means making a world full of losers. Of course, having one champion is great for sports. Like, it works really well there. And I will be wearing my Panthers jersey next Sunday night in the youth house. 
Because sports are a wonderful place for us to indirectly work out our anxieties over the intangible and mysterious scoreboards of our own lives. Humans have long found it helpful and character building to create fantasies where imaginary lines are crossed by balls and that that means something. It sounds silly to play such a fantasy, but, but some people take it very seriously, even in our own state. Some humans have found that if we act like the position of the one ball or the tally of the one scoreboard really matters, that if we make it the decider, the final decider, then we can be confident that we all know the goal, we all know the score, and, and after just a couple hours of grueling competition, assuming the refs don't mess it up, delegitimizing the decision of the sacred scoreboard, then just after a few hours, we'll know who the winner is and who the loser is. It'll be done, and we can turn off the TV and fall asleep, knowing that such an existential question has been answered. However, life isn't a game. In the real world, where life isn't tallied with points and trophies, we do not have only two choices between building a statue of a coach or firing him, between naming a champion or pushing her off a cliff. In the real world, we can walk through the midst. I walked through the midst once when I was 11, which is a difficult time to walk through the midst. I was, I was a new member of the youth group with a brother two years older than myself, and, and we went to Carowinds, which is like the Six Flags theme park of North Carolina. And, and being a rising seventh grader, following around my ninth grade brother and his friends, my journey brought me to the cliff known as the Hurler. Now, for those of you who have never been to Carowinds or watched the original Wayne's World movie, the Hurler is a roller coaster named after the movie's term for the act of regurgitation. <laughs> Having followed my brother and his friends this far, I followed them through the long and sweaty line to where we were to board this car that would hurl us down the track and toward our masculine duties. And at that point, I got scared. And after thinking about it for a minute, I turned around and walked through the midst of my brother's friends and all those who stood in line waiting for that ride. It's clear to me that this story sounds cowardly. I, I see that. I hear it. As if this were an example of when I was pushed to the cliff and should have had courage to jump. It sounds like a failure. And, you know, to that 11-year-old boy, it sounds as if those 48 seconds of back-wrenching ride would have somehow elevated my existence and expediting my maturity. And even now, thinking on it, 20 years, 20 years later, 
I feel a little shame. Like, I can feel that same shame when I was writing this, you know, like an hour ago. I can feel that shame <laughs> creeping up my reddening face, just like then. And I want to defend myself, telling you how <laughs> I love roller coasters now. The bigger, the better. Oh, man, I'll go on any of them. Uh, I'm very courageous. But this story to me isn't one of failure and cowardice, although you can read it that way. While I believe there are moments when we are called to do real good that requires real courage, there are also moments when the world around us keeps telling us the same zero-sum story, pointing to one scoreboard, one perspective, one way of determining your worth as a person, as if your decision about riding that one ride, sitting in that one car, if that one decision will decide what your worth is throughout your entire existence and your whole life. Like you need to sit in that one car with all of your peers to prove to them your value. And in those moments, we are called, I believe, to walk through the midst. Even if it means facing our own shame and the looks of all of those who really believe in hurling themselves down the track. Cliffs and scoreboards, hurlers and crowds can show up most anywhere in our life. Not just when we're playing a sport or visiting a theme park. For me, the cliff and the crowd show up most often and most profoundly in my personal relationships. In those times when the successes and failures of life lead to my impatience and anxiety. And I find myself too easily consumed by imaginary scoreboards. For Paul, in his letter to the Corinthians, the cliff and crowd showed up right in the midst of the church family, a family that Paul cherished and nourished, but who appeared to be paying way too much attention to the imaginary scoreboard of spiritual gifts. Torn apart by rising hierarchies and envy and jealousy in the congregation, Paul writes, If I speak in the tongues of mortals and of angels, but do not have love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give away all my possessions and if I hand over my body so that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. The story Paul confronts, the conflict he interacts with and engages in Corinthians, it's pretty common. It's a sad and sorry conflict we know too well. One day your band is playing a beautiful song. The next moment one person or section enjoys the sound of his voice a little too much and suddenly it's a bunch of noisy gongs and clanging cymbals. We get too distracted by one imaginary scoreboard. 
We get too caught up in our one way of valuing the world and each other. And then what was a a beautiful and mutual relationship, defined by patience and kindness, becomes a conflicted competition, defined by power and envy. One minute, you're having a reasonable and respectful discussion about important issues that will give structure and purpose to our lives as a community and a nation. The next minute, you're hurling accusations at one another, focusing on a minute-to-minute poll that will eventually give us a winner, but without love cannot give us anything good. One minute... You're setting loving and mindful limits around the toddler, making space for him to grow while giving structure for him to live. The next minute, you're, you're hurling threats of no bubble bath and no tackle dada time at your willful progeny, desperately clinging to that belief that you are still the parent. Yes, I believe it. One minute, you're making simple decisions, everyday decisions with your spouse about dinner and schedules. The next minute, you're anxious and impatient. And then you find yourself pointing to this imaginary scoreboard that you kept hidden this whole time, knowing that you might have to pull it out at any moment to get the time that you want, the time you need, the time that you have a right to, so that you can watch that football game. And we are called to walk through the midst with kindness, patience, with love. You can't escape the crowd forever. Hopefully you'll find times when you can run to the wilderness for a while. But eventually, the crowd will drive you up a hill and lead you to a cliff. Because crowds get anxious, and the crowds will act as if there are no other choices but to either give in to the crowd or jump. They'll chant at you, choose, choose, choose. They'll bang gongs and crash cymbals and make all kinds of noise in order to make you believe that the decision that they are forcing upon you is the only decision that matters, filling it with all of the gravity and gracelessness that comes with falling off a cliff. And in that moment, whether you are facing an Iowa caucus, a family dinner, your hometown church, or a 90s themed roller coaster, Christ calls us to walk through the midst of the crowd. Not to join the cries for catastrophe or jump off the cliff, but with courage, faith, and that ever necessary love. Walk through the midst, confident that Christ will be there to walk with us. Amen.